Thank you for tuning in. My prayer is that this message is going to be an encouragement to you personally and will cause great growth in your life. It's time to live and it's time to take this next step forward. God bless you as you listen. Good. Well, I'm ready to go. I want you guys to have a seat. Welcome to the super early service. This is like the early, early service for us. City Life, we have never done anything like this before. Where, where we have, we started this 9 a.m. service and now it feels like 8 a.m. I, I, I pastored one time uh, where I had multiple services and our first service started at 8 a.m. Can you, do you know what it felt like on, on this particular Sunday, uh, Daylight Savings Time Sunday, starting at what felt like 7 a.m.? I mean, it was, it was crazy. It was crazy, but, but it's awesome, and I'm glad you guys are here, and I, I believe God's going to honor your faithfulness today. It's good to be back with you. Uh, I hear that Preston preached a, preached a good sermon last Sunday, and, and you guys, were there's weeping and gnashing of teeth and all that kind of stuff. Now, I think that happens in hell, so we don't want to say that happened, but, but I think it, you guys had a great time, and, and I had a good time being away with Rebecca, but it's good to be back here. Well, if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to get your Bibles, Bible apps out. I want you to open up to two passages. Now, you're going to need to hold, your, hold yourself there until the very end, okay, because uh, I'm going to be sharing those at the very end of the service, but it's Ephesians 2.4 and Jeremiah 31.3. So hold your place there, and, and I'll hit those in that order near the end of the message. Again, on this early, super, super early Sunday morning, uh, I want to tell you that my message title is this. It's called Imperfect and Glad to Be So. Imperfect and Glad to Be So. Now, this is really the first of three parts, and I really want every one of you guys to engage with this, uh, this series. Uh, this, uh, this, this series, I've entitled it, um, Do I Love Me? And that, that's a question that uh, we're going to tackle. As I, I, and I'm tackling this because I'm a pastor. I have the privilege of listening to people. Uh, I, I have the opportunity to interact with a large number of people. And one of the things that I've observed definitely observed is that a lot of people, and I'm talking including Christians, go through life feeling discouraged, uh, depressed, and unlovable just simply because of the way they are. And I believe that it, it stifles our effectiveness to be agents of change in the culture. It destroys relationships, and it actually holds us back. Uh, and, and another thing that I see is I also see that most people desperately want to escape negative self-images. And so I'm going to just simply challenge you to think differently today. I'm going to uh, share some very potent and true points that I believe can help you to shed uh, self-loathing in any way that it manifests itself in your life. And I want to give you the courage and encourage you to move past those barriers. Because the truth is, you're imperfect and you know it. (laughs) Today I'm going to share a little portion of my life story um, and show how God's best for us really can be our reality. And it, it comes down to this approach to faith and life where we can't honestly say, I'm imperfect, I'm glad to be so. Now, right off the bat, as I get into this story of mine, um, uh, you know, I, I want you to know before I share any of these messages, you know, for this uh, next three weeks, I'm not talking about being overly in love with yourself. You understand that? I'm going to actually touch, touch on that next week and talk about this imbalance. But, to, but really what I'm talking about is to learning to love yourself and to accept yourself and even where you are in a very healthy way. 
Now, most of you know that I grew up in a pastor's home, and I'll be very candid with you. I did not have a bad life growing up. I didn't. My parents, uh, they, they gave me an amazing foundation that I could build my life on, and I am very, very grateful for it. I've always said I'm blessed. I'm blessed. But here's the deal. Even in the middle of being blessed, what we tend to do is we tend to isolate uh, like, like frustrating situations or circumstances in our lives, and we focus on those situations, and they begin to erode us and tear us down. You see, through the time, really up until the time I was 18, I lived in 11 different houses uh, from Washington State to New Mexico to the West Texas oil fields, to the Nebraska Plains, down to the Rio Grande Valley of Texas, to the Big Bend. My life was actually very, very transient. And growing up in a world like that, friendships came very, very difficult because you couldn't put roots down. Um, But things began to look different when I got to high school because when I I was getting, getting into high school, my parents promised me this. They said, Tim, we're not going to move again until you get through high school. And they said, we want you to put down roots. We want you to get involved in things. We want you to have friends and just, just knock it out. You know, just have a good, good time. And, and, uh, and so, great. I mean, we'd, we'd lived there up to this point for about four years. And I'll never forget, it was the spring of 1982. I was wrapping up my junior year uh, attending Harlingen High School, which is a huge high school in South Texas. And, and I was anticipating my senior year because, because there had been a lot of stuff I'd built up. And I was loving it. I was, I was going to be, become the band president. I was going to be the president of the speech and the drama club. And, and uh, I was a, one of the leaders in the performing jazz band that would go out. We'd go out and perform about once a week, and my grades were spectacular. Everything was looking good, going good for me, and we'd spent the, I'd really spent the last four years uh, living in this one location, and, and uh, to be honest, it was, it was the longest time I'd ever lived in one place by, by two years at that point. Uh, my senior year was coming up. It felt very, very promising, but I was dead wrong, you see, because mom and dad, they broke their promise to me. Dad decided to resign the church where he was pastoring, and then move out to Odessa, Texas. Um, I was angry at my parents. I, I quit everything. I put away my tenor sax, never played it again. I decided I was going to stop doing speech and drama stuff altogether. During my senior year, um, I was so upset at everything, I chose to do a work-study program. So I, I worked a full-time job, and I went to school just in the mornings, half day, so that I could finish up, get the necessary credits I needed, and graduate from high school. My dad didn't have a job, and neither did my mom. In fact, I would take the money that I earned, and I would go and buy discounted uh, damaged groceries from the grocery store where I worked, along with cases of, of uh, groceries that happened to be on sale at any particular time. And during this time, my dad started his own auto detailing business in our driveway, but that hardly brought in any money really at all. And uh, my dad ended up using up all of his life savings in this period of about 12 months. Um, I was angry at my parents. I knew I had the call of God in my life to be a pastor, but at that point, I didn't even want to have anything to do with ministry. I just didn't. Uh, in reality, though, I'd 
couldn't see it at that point, but I was kind of like digging my own grave because unforgiveness toward my parents and unforgiveness just toward God and the whole situation was taking its toll on me. And I was, I was actually slowly uh, pulling myself away from God's working in my own life. During my senior year at uh, Permian High School in Odessa, Texas, I, I got involved in drugs and drinking and everything unwholesome. I just wanted to run from God and have, or run from anything that had to do with my parents. I wanted to run from everything. I began to loathe myself because my, ne- my own negativity caused me to begin hating myself. Something's wrong with me. <laughs> I mean, sure, my parents broke their promise to me, Sure, it wasn't fair for a 17-year-old to have the biggest income in the family um, and working full-time at a grocery store while attending high school. But again, is life fair? No, it's not. But God is just. See, what was my problem? My, My problem was that I was acting entitled. I really was. I was entitled to have my school. I was entitled to have my friends. I was entitled to have my moment in the sun But obviously, God and my parents felt otherwise. Near the end of my senior year, before I even graduated, my parents moved to Alpine in the Texas Big Bend after 10 months. And uh, I was still in high school, so I moved into my brother's house, my brother who lived there in town, graduated from Odessa Permian without one true friend. Um, I mean, why even try? Uh, my, My parents didn't care. God must not care. I began to see myself as a flawed piece of trash. That's how I chose to see myself. I, I remember graduation day that everyone was going to all these parties. I wasn't invited to any. I went to a drive through at my favorite burger joint, Texas Burger, right there on Andrews Highway, about a block away from the Ector County Coliseum, and Texas Burger is still there, just to let you know. I was, I was driving through about a year ago, and at that moment, all these memories came crashing back on me. Nothing much changes out in West Texas. And uh, I drove right by Texas Burger and the Hector County Coliseum, and tears started filling my eyes because I remembered very clearly, still dressed in my graduation gown, leaving the Coliseum, getting in my car and driving across the street to get myself a burger. And then I went back to my brother's empty house. Um, I just kept living with my brother, working my job, and until September of that year, I crashed my 1978 Datsun 510 and totaled it. (laughs) Now I had no transportation, and I knew my only solution was to move back in with my parents. That meant moving to Alpine, which was three hours away, much deeper into the depths of nothingness in West Texas. Uh, They lived in a three-room trailer, uh, and they didn't have a room for me. Uh, My parents had one room, my sister had one room, and there's a third bedroom there, but my mom had that set up as her sewing room. So my parents, in in their generosity, and I still see it as generous, they got me a twin bed, and they set it up behind the living room sofa, and that would become my bedroom for the next year until I left for college to prepare to be a pastor. You see, I was determined to bust out of that world. Um, I was determined to go to college. No one in my family had ever been to college, and I knew that I wanted to. The prevailing attitude of people around me was that higher education is a waste. So they saw college as a negative. 
But I just knew this much. I couldn't spend the rest of my life in this small, dusty, windy, isolated big bend where all there is is mesquite and rattlesnakes, you know? <laughs> uh, but I remember just saying over and over to myself, I'm such an idiot. Why, why does my life stink so bad? Why am I living in this trailer? I hate myself. My parents hate me. I mean, God can't love me. Well, my life would be better. Really? The truth of the matter was I loved God, but not myself. Nor could I really love anyone else. In fact, here's the question. I mean, did God even really love me? Maybe only if I tried super hard to please God, then maybe he would love me. But a moment of change happened when I stumbled across this scripture, and it was riveting to me. I want to read this to you from Proverbs chapter 30, verse 11. It says, some people curse their father and do not thank their mother. They are pure in their own eyes, but they are filthy and unwashed. They look proudly around, casting disdainful glances. They have teeth like swords and fangs like knives, and I was seeing myself written into this. And then I saw this part that just destroyed my heart, just tore me up. It says, they devour the poor from the earth and the needy from among humanity, And I looked at that and I said, I don't want to be that way. I don't like myself, I don't like my parents, but I don't want to be that kind of person. It was like at that moment God was was telling me that I needed to accept his love for me, (laughs) to embrace his love and to relish his love and to bask in it and just let his love fill my heart. And then I could begin to love myself and maybe love some other people, including my parents. See, I accepted this truth, and here it is, is that God loves you in spite of your imperfections, whether they are imperfections just in your mind or real legitimate imperfections. Now, I was seeing myself as very imperfect and very flawed. It it was clear that God loved me because at this point I began to feel his love kind of sweeping over me. And this is even before I could even find a way to love myself. But letting his love begin to sweep over me begin to start this process of change. You see, accepting God's love, it allows us then to love ourselves and then to truly begin to love others. I'll be honest with you, it's a wonderful starting place. So that's how the transition began in Alpine, Texas. It was, it was in this trailer here that I, uh, that's the place I chose to forgive my parents. I looked up the address on Google last week and I was astonished to see that the old mobile home that I slept in behind the living room sofa is still standing there. And I'm telling you guys, it was junk back then. <laughs> but while I was living there and, and attending Solross State University, I began to take some courses also through Global University and I worked a full-time job as a grocery store cashier. I worked a part-time job cleaning up construction sites because I wanted to pay off bills and I wanted to uh, have money set aside for college. I, 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 I didn't like living there, okay? <laughs> I had absolutely no privacy. Therefore, I didn't see it as a bad thing that I was going to work every night till 10 or 11 o'clock, come home, get up early the next day and work, go to school, whatever. But in that time and in that place, I began to forgive my parents, and I learned to love myself in spite of my flaws as God loved me in that ugly trailer house. That's when my heart changed, and I found that I could begin to love others at that time. 
remember as I was departing, my dad gave me three very simple words of advice. Uh, he said, son, you know, if you're going to be in ministry, you need to know there are three things you just never forget. I'll never forget the moment he said them to me. He said, son, be in the word of God every single day. The second one, he said, was very practical. He said, stay away from needy women who are going to try to entrap you emotionally and physically. Okay, like, smart. <laughs> and then he said, find a church and serve with all your heart. And when you get there, don't seek any position. Just choose to be a servant who operates in humility, even if you have to take out the pastor's trash. <laughs> serve, and if you serve well, God will elevate you. I did what dad said. Dad was right. I also, though, had this opportunity then to fall back into my old trap because I got to college and I felt, well, maybe I deserve something better, something else. You see, I I, I had to hold a full-time job while I was in college and I was volunteering at the the church that I served. It was a very large church and and, uh, I was at the same time carrying a full-time load each semester, and my parents weren't able to help me at all, and and it kind of bothered me. You know, it it bothered me when fellow students would get to go home for the holidays, the campus would empty, and then I was staying there working all the time. It also irritated me when other kids got gas cards and even credit cards that their parents would pay for, and and they came to college in their new Camaros and Mustangs, you know. I had my old 77 beat-up Mustang, and I was kind of proud of it until I saw what everybody else got from their parents. I was like, oops, (laughs) You know what it feels like. Other students in college, uh, they got jobs as youth pastors. And what was I? Well, I was a preschool teacher at my church. Uh, my, my friends would laugh at me and sometimes say, man, you're, you're crazy. That church is just using you. My brothers, they even told me this. They said, hey, you deserve to be paid for the ministry that you're doing there. You're being taken advantage of. You need to demand money to, to teach those preschoolers. But I just kept focusing on the fact that I loved God and God loved me. And that's how I continue to pull myself out of that negative, those negative mindsets. Because I began to see God working miracles for me. And I found that I was beginning to love people as I loved myself. I found that relationships will actually get you through the hard places in life. And if you hate yourself and you hate other people, you're, you're going to be isolated. You're going to be really, really lonely. I didn't want that. I mean, Jesus said it well. He said it three times in the New Testament. He said, love your neighbor. How does he say it? As you love yourself. See, we love other people the same way we love ourselves. If you can't love and accept yourself in spite of your flaws and your weaknesses, it's going to be really, really tough to love other people. I mean, Paul even says that it works in marriage. It says this in Ephesians 5. It says husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Guys, in other words, if you can't love yourself, you're going to have a really hard time loving your wife. I learned that as I let God love me, I, his strength was made perfect in my weaknesses and I could love again. You know, saying that we, we use around here all the time is it's time to live. You hear that. Another thing that, that, I, that I like to say is, is uh, we should live the full life, the full life, life to the full. And, and I believe that with all my heart. And these are not just cute little sayings, but it's real. See, because the full life, though, it, it's actually very simple to grasp, yet we also make it really difficult to pull off because we tend to harbor our anger toward God, and then we end up loathing ourselves and despising ourselves. You see, in John 10.10, 10, 
10, which is my favorite scripture in the Bible, you know, we learn about the full life, but it does not mean that you're full of yourself. It means that you're full of he, you know, the full life is being full of him, full of God. I want to be full of God because what God does is God then uh, fills my gaps and my imperfection. And, and when I'm full of God's love, all of a sudden I'm actually transformed on the inside. You see, you can't give what you don't already have. If you don't have God's love surging through you, if I don't have it surging through me, I'll just tell you this much. This flawed guy will be a mess. See, I I have no basis or foundation for authentic love if God's love isn't in me. And if you can't love yourself as God loves you, then you can't really give love. You can't give it to your partner, your friends, your children, your family. We all want to make a difference in the world, but I'm telling you guys, love is at the core of it. Receiving the love of God toward us, allowing his love to flood our hearts regardless of the condition or situation that we're living in, guys. We need to learn to love ourselves in the midst of our imperfection, not giving in to the imperfection, but allowing God to heal it and restore it. And we'll be loving others then as we love ourselves. This works great with cultural streets, because this, really this principle is here is, is you, you can only truly make a difference in the culture when you love other people. See, anything less than love uh, in, in what we do is just like an empty community service project. That's nice, but if there's no love in it, it's empty. Loving others is really where our hope begins. When we allow God's love to just inundate us, we begin to shed our own self-loathing and we begin to love others as we love ourselves. The theme scripture we have for this year is this. It's Isaiah 40, 31. Look at it. It says, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles that will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. You see, the full life, it's about engaging God in our lives, knowing that we're worthy of his love. Catch that. And then we can begin to soar to new heights because of it. What that means is you wake up every day saying, you know what, with God's help and with God's love, I'm going to give this day my best. And, And regardless of what happens to me today, what gets done or doesn't get done, or whether I win or whether I fail, that has no effect upon God's love for me. See, living the full life is going to bed at night saying, yeah, I'm imperfect, yeah, I may be afraid, And and sure, I may not even measure up to my own expectations of myself, but that doesn't change the fact that I am worthy of love and belonging. You, you, you're worthy of love. God really does love you. And it's time to own your own story. Owning your story can be hard, but not as difficult as spending your life running from your story. Embracing your imperfections and flaws, it's risky, but it's not as dangerous as giving up on love. God doesn't want you to go through life saying, I hate myself. Loving yourself is really fully grasping and enjoying God's love for you. Self-loathing and self-destructive actions and even self-talk, it tears us up. But in reality, I believe that this type of self-talk and behavior, the more I consider it, I think it's horribly self-centered. So 
really the way that we tend to fight those feelings within our lives, especially in our culture, is, is then we try to, well, we're going to look perfect. We're going to get that perfect smile. We spend hours trying to figure it out in the mirror, you know. I want to have the perfect Instagram. I want to have the best possessions. I want to have the ultimate body. I want to have the classiest car and the coolest spouse. Because we think this might make ourselves more lovely, and other people might love us more. But I'm telling you guys, it doesn't work that way. The key is to enjoy God's love. It's found in this understanding of the depth of God's love and his mercy and his forgiveness and his grace that he demonstrated to us in the most powerful way possible, and that's through his own son, Jesus Christ. John 3.16 says this, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God loves you. Eternal life and the full life comes from that love. Now I want you to look at the scripture that I had you look up at the beginning here. Ephesians chapter two, verse four. Take a look at this because this scripture is really the icing on the cake. It lets us know that God accepts us in our imperfection. Therefore, we can accept ourselves and we can accept and love others and we can grow then in God's grace. Look at it. It says, but because of his great love for us, for me, for you, put your own name in there. God, who is rich in mercy, made us, you, me, alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. You see, when we understand this about God's love, when, when we deeply know that God loves us, we don't even need to try to focus on loving ourselves because it just comes naturally. And the more we experience God's forgiveness and his love, the more we begin to think about him, the less we begin to think about ourselves, we can then begin to rejoice and say, I am loved and I can love. Now I want you to look at that other scripture, Jeremiah 31, verse three. Mark this in your Bibles as well because these are God's words for you today. Here it is. He, know this. He loves you more than you can imagine. And that love has the power to destroy all of your self-loathing. Look at it. God says to you, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. I'll say it again. I have loved you with an everlasting love and I've drawn you with loving kindness. That's my God, that's your God, and that's why I'm here today, and it's no accident you're here today to hear these words. It's time for you to begin to step out of those conversations and those feelings that you're having in your head and in your mind that are controlling you, and it's time to begin to break free. I just wanna pray for you right now. God, I, I pray for every person in this room listen to these words today and I pray God that there will just be release of, of supernatural uh, blessing and strength and wisdom God, I pray that your love will just begin to well up in our hearts. It'll change our minds and our attitudes about ourselves. It'll change our minds and our attitudes toward others, God. God, that we can truly be the Christians we want to be. God, it's time, God, we just make that choice today. It's time for us to break out of this selfishness that we are living in, which is actually self-hate. God, we choose to love you, let you love us, and love others the way we love ourselves.
I'd like for there to be no movement in the room at this time, please. And I want you to focus your eyes. Just focus internally. If you're here today and you've never surrendered your life completely to Jesus, maybe, maybe you've drifted from a relationship with God and you want to know the Jesus that we talk about here at City Life Church. Before you, we go any further, I want to give you an opportunity to respond today by simply lifting your hand in just a moment. Understanding this is that Jesus does love you more than you can imagine And he brought you here at this moment to hear this message. And today it really is your time to live. And if you'd like to be included in this closing prayer and to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, surrender yourself to Jesus, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand at my count of three. And when you do so, I'm going to be able to connect my faith with yours and we will pray together. Is that you? You're ready to give your life over to Jesus. I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand for me. Let me see, because I want to pray with you. Thank you. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to all stand. And, and if you lifted your hand, I want you, uh, along with everybody else in this room, to pray these words with me. Come on, pray these words. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. I believe you're the Son of God. Will you please forgive my sins? It is time for me to live. So I give up my past, and I embrace the future that you have for me. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.